0: Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schomler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 418, a rare special episode entirely dedicated to one thing. This is all about Tom Brady's docuseries, Man in the Arena, episode two. Uh, the subtitle of that episode is The Toughest Things. Now, uh, I'm not going to lie, I went back and forth a lot whether or not i should make this episode i I set off on a journey after episode one a man in the arena came out i'm like i would like to do a special episode every week dedicated to each episode of this series now uh today is saturday came out the episode came out tuesday night ideally this would have came out wednesday morning and that's not really why i went back and forth i mean i kind of had this moment with myself i realized well uh people can decide not to listen to this and that's that's up to you. Like if you don't if you don't care about this content, why are you here? Right? Like that's totally fine. I also realized well, I'm I'm self-employed. I don't have a a boss really. I can do whatever I want. And I want to make this content. No, the reason why I kind of went back and forth on whether or not I should make an episode here and I'll tell you why I ultimately decided I would um is something I didn't realize going into this series, something I, I feel dumb for not knowing, although it makes sense. You know, when I heard that Tom Brady had a documentary series coming out, I was like, I'm going to I don't want to hear very much about it because I don't like spoilers. I hate having stuff ruined. And the less I knew going in, the better. What I wish I'd known going in is that there's 10 episodes. I knew that. But every episode, which makes sense now reflecting, I'm like, oh. I'm an idiot. I should, have, I should have known that based on the fact that there was only 10 episodes, but I didn't think about this. Every episode is dedicated to one of Tom Brady's Super Bowls. He's been to 10. He has not won all 10. And that's this is why I want to keep doing this series about every episode, is that I know there are really good Super Bowls coming up. Losing, you know, in the 2007 season, when Tom Brady and the Patriots won 18-0. And then did not win the Super Bowl. They lost to the Giants. I'm like, I can't wait to hear about that. Or when he lost to the Giants again. Or when he beat the Seahawks and Russell Wilson threw an interception on the one yard line. Or losing to Nick Foles. Like, I want to hear about this stuff. I know there's great Super Bowls up ahead. Now, this episode, episode two, is dedicated to Tom Brady's second Super Bowl. When he beat the Carolina Panthers uh it's the second it's i guess it's the second super bowl it's his first of two in a row he won two back to back and i the reason why i was kind of deciding whether or not i should make an episode specifically dedicated to this episode of man in the arena is i just frankly like don't think this is a very compelling super bowl it's one of in in the lineage of tom brady's history going to super bowls the first one's amazing because nobody expected it and like it's it's amazing back to a second one but by the time he's been to 10 you're like well how much do I really care about the one where he beat the Carolina Panthers for some reason I, I watching this episode I wasn't that into it and I'm like well do I still talk about it if I'm not that if I wasn't that excited by this Super Bowl victory and the story of how it happened is that worth talking about and I guess maybe there in lies it, it really depends on how much you're interested in what I have to say because Maybe that alone, you're like, well, hey, hearing that Zach didn't care that much, maybe that's already interesting to you. It's like, It depends on your level of commitment to what I have to say, I guess. Um, now, one thing I want to say immediately that I, I love about this entire series, it's becoming very apparent. Tom Brady's using these 10 episodes to give credit to people that he feels like haven't necessarily gotten the respect and the shine they deserve. Like episode one was all about Tom Brady finding a way to give credit to Drew Bledsoe, the quarterback who came before him in New England. And for, you know, the way Drew Bledsoe was so amazing and and frankly, like, so, um, like, respectable and handled that situation like a man and handled it very maturely. Now, the two people that Tom Brady gives a lot of, you know, respect and praise to in episode two is Lawyer Malloy... And Rodney Harrison. Now, I had no idea. I knew Rodney Harrison had had a big impact on Tom Brady and on the Patriots. I didn't know about Lawyer Malloy. I didn't realize how much he had had an impact on Tom Brady, not just on the field and winning, but also off the field. Lawyer Malloy, the Patriots, the, the former Patriots safety, lived five houses down from Tom Brady, and Tom Brady credited Lawyer Malloy a lot with. Tom Brady's kind of making a transition from a guy who is new to the NFL, like the new the, there's even a headline in the episode. The NFL's new young prince, right? A- and how Tom Brady Lawyer Malloy helped Tom Brady handle all of the weight that comes along with becoming a star. And and frankly, Tom Brady says Lawyer Malloy helped keep me on track and helped me, you know, become a true professional in my, you know, third and fourth years in the NFL. And controversy struck when Lawyer Malloy, a leader of the team, a captain of the team, a guy who brought a ton of toughness to the Patriots locker room, who, you know, in 2001, end of the year, they win the Super Bowl. 2002, they take a step back where the Patriots went 9-7. and They missed the playoffs. I believe it's actually like the worst record Tom Brady's had. Someone, don't quote me on that, but I think it's the worst record Tom Brady's ever had during an NFL season, was in his second year as a starter in New England. They missed the playoffs. They obviously did not win a Super Bowl. And after that year... The San Diego, at the time, the San Diego Chargers cut their safety, Rodney Harrison. And Rodney Harrison was a Pro Bowl safety, a star, getting a little bit up there in age. And the Chargers cut him. And Bill Belichick, in all of his infinite wisdom, even though he already had a safety on his team, Lawyer Malloy, he signed Rodney Harrison. And a lot of people are like, huh, interesting, but we already have a safety. We have Lawyer Malloy. And uh, ultimately, what happened was Bill Belichick cut Lawyer Malloy, a, a leader in the locker room in New England, a guy who helped them win a Super Bowl two years ago, a guy that Tom Brady was close with. And Tom Brady talked about this is like the first time he really had to handle the business side of the NFL, losing someone he liked. And, and let's be clear about something. This is something Tom Brady, I think, would be put to the test a lot on is losing randy moss having randy moss get traded away losing wes welker losing all of his buddies over time like tom Brady was the mainstay in new england a lot of people came and went and lawyer malloy the way brady describes it this was the first guy he lost and he was like bill i don't get it and and the media didn't understand the team didn't really understand bill belichick was getting clowned on (laughs) for getting rid of lawyer malloy and it's cool to hear rodney harrison talk about his his communication with Belichick before going to the Patriots. Belichick remembered that one time during warmups, Rodney Harrison knocked someone's helmet off in San Diego. I mean, Rodney brought the juice. Rodney Harrison every day was getting after it. And when Belichick said, hey, I remember you doing that, it was kind of a wake-up call for Rodney Harrison. He said, "I, I oh my gosh, like, you know, they, <laughs> this is something I— his level of attention to detail, Belichick's, impressed me. And every day, Rodney Harrison, again, I, he brought the juice. Like he was just an intense, passionate dude who at practice would hit people. He didn't care. He didn't care who you were. He was going to hit you and bring his best every day. And Rodney Harrison gives a great qu- quote. He says, and I, I think it was actually an old clip from 2002 at the time. He goes, I don't care. Like I don't. I don't play the game for people to like me. He said, my mom likes me. That's enough for me. It's like, that's interesting. And then later actually Rodney Harrison teared up talking about his mom and how his mom was such an inspiration for him and helped him become the player he was today. Now, Rodney Harrison talked about how in his career he played against Joe Montana, John Elway, Steve Young, Dan Marino. So when he came to New England, they had a young Tom Brady. He was like, "Well, well, like, okay, like sure. This guy's good, but how, like how great is he? And, Rodney Harrison talked about about how every day in practice he wanted to challenge Tom Brady, really make him struggle and and make him a better quarterback, but by just doing his very best every day. And when the Patriots cut Lawyer Malloy, again, people were losing faith. And it's crazy to say that now, although I think we had another conversation about that when, when Belichick let Tom Brady leave was another time where... I mean, we've, we've seen people's faith in Bill Belichick get tested over and over again. And at the end of the day, Bill Belichick always gets the last laugh. He's like, okay, we'll get rid of Tom Brady. And they're like, well, what are you doing? And then Tom Brady wins to the Super Bowl. and People are like, oh, Belichick lost the Brady-Belichick divorce. And maybe he did. But now he's got Mac Jones. They're seven and four. Like, it's all good. And I just, I challenge anybody to, if you don't believe in Belichick at this point, like, what are you doing? But it's, at the time, Belichick had only won one Super Bowl and winning one is a lot different than winning six. Like Pete Carroll won a Super Bowl with Russell Wilson, and now he might lose his job. Like winning one Super Bowl is very different than losing one, two, three, four, five, and then six. And so it makes total sense that people, when Belichick cut Lawyer Malloy, replacing him with Rodney Harrison, and he said, I'm doing what's best for our team, people were not impressed with that. People didn't believe that. Uh, Tom Jackson said on some show, I think inside the NFL and ESPN, he said, You know, his players hate him. And Brady said, it's actually interesting. Brady talked about here. He said, we win by focusing on the tactical stuff. Like, who cares what people are saying? You believe in yourself. You trust in the process. And um, I, I love that because it's totally true. Like, you can't, people talked about how, or Brady talked about how people say, like, when we win, like, oh, this loss brought them together. And he's like, no, honestly, like, all the stuff the media says all week doesn't really matter to Tom Brady. And, and maybe that's true. I'm sure it's true to some degree. Like from a locker room standpoint, I'm sure it's true where it's like, who cares about, like we're not getting moved by this guy or that guy having something happen, some drama off the field. We care about the tactical stuff that helps us win. But I'm sure to some degree, like there's no way Brady isn't motivated a little bit by the things people say about it. But Lawyer Malloy left and went to actually the AFC East rival of the Patriots, the Buffalo Bills. And their quarterback was Drew Bledsoe. And you're like, oh my gosh. So in week one, the former quarterback of the Patriots and the former safety of the Patriots, Lawyer Malloy and Drew Bledsoe dominated, absolutely dominated the Patriots in week one of the 2003 season. They beat, the, uh, the Bills beat the Patriots 31 to nothing. And Tom Brady had four interceptions, and that is when people said, "Like, yeah, there." That's when Tom Jackson did give that quote, like his players hate him and all this stuff, and it was just an interesting moment. And and, and nobody, again, nobody understood why Bill Belichick cut Laura Malloy. Now uh, later down the road, the Patriots played Indianapolis on the road at the Colts. It was Peyton Manning against Tom Brady. Game was a shootout. The Patriots won thirty-eight to thirty-four. A couple things stand out here from this part of the episode. First of all, Brady says it over and over again like if there was anybody for Brady to look up to at this time in his career, as a young quarterback or even now like as a person who w- was so accomplished later in his career, said if there if there was anyone for me to look up to in my career, it was Peyton Manning. The guy who won all the awards, number 1 overall pick, had this incredible offense and you know, the way that Peyton Manning was viewed was very different from the way that Tom Brady was you. Tom Brady was a guy on a good football team, whereas Peyton Manning was a guy who had this prolific offense and scored a lot of points. And if the Colts won, it was because Peyton Manning won the game. If Tom Brady won, it was because, well, he's on a good team. And that's interesting to me. And then another thing that stands out from this kind of segment of the episode is when Tom Brady, he gave a very, uh, the word is like very LeBron-esque statement where Tom Brady said that young guys with talent still have a lot to learn. And then it goes back to Lawyer Malloy, how when Tom Brady was a young quarterback, his meetings with Bill Belichick, his the stuff he learned from Lawyer Malloy, how to work, how to become a superstar in the NFL, and every Tuesday, Bill Belichick met with Tom Brady, and they went over the defensive personnel of the team that were playing that week and broke down all the weaknesses and strength strengths of every person on the defense. And actually, a couple things came to mind when I heard this. Number one, it reminds me of actually, you know, the Brady-Belichick early relationship reminds me a lot of Jets' young rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson, and his relationship with Robert Sala. And I had a lot of thoughts here. First of all, the benefit of having a defensive head coach is when they meet with their quarterback they have a defensive perspective and they can share wisdom that a it just it's you have a dip. I, I had a head coach that was on defense when I was in college and just there's no other way to say it other than that straight up is it's a different philosophy it's a different way of looking at the game a little bit like tweaked enough that it can be really valuable to get in the head of a defensive coordinator so I have no doubt that these meetings were invaluable and I talked earlier in the week about Justin Herbert. How Justin Herbert was in college, and I, I thought of my, my college career, and I, I never had an opportunity to sit down weekly with my head coach. And part of that was I was never the starting quarterback, although we had a great relationship being my head coach in college. And the thing is, I was just busy all the time with classes. And I, I can't really state enough how much more time you have to focus on football in the NFL than in college football. Because in college, your attention is always divided with all this other nonsense. You got to go to classes. You got to deal with this, especially the lower levels of college football. But even talk to Najee Harris. Najee Harris is the Pittsburgh Steelers running back. And Najee Harris said, it's weird in the NFL because I have all this free time. At Alabama, I was always either doing football or in the classroom doing my homework or you know, meeting with tutors or whatever. And I think of Justin Herbert, the former Oregon Ducks quarterback who... I thought in college, Justin Herbert was a quarterback who, who had a lot of little mistakes and flaws, and he didn't seem to get better over the course of his four year career at Oregon. You always saw the physical gifts and the natural talent he had, but then he would miss like bubble screens or little reads. And like there were little parts of his game, like he couldn't, t- you know, take some off and throw the ball a touch up and over defenders. And, like, why is that not being taught to him? In the quarterback room, in the in the QB meetings, and the reality is that I'm sure he was a four point student. Well, he was, he was for sure a four point student at Oregon, but I have no doubt that that led to him having such a problem with divided attention. Where in the NFL he has so much more free time, and that made me think of wow, like imagine a guy like Tom Brady who loves to get after it and just work and work and watch film, and you, you gotta it's gotta be amazing to like be able to do football full time and spend. All your energy and all your effort. Like, a guy like Zach Wilson. This is why I believe in the Jets' young quarterback, Zach Wilson. Is he is so much a student of the game. Very similar to the way... I I Look, I got some friends at BYU who talk about Zach Wilson and say that the dude is just obsessed with football. Like, it is truly, like, the thing he lives and breathes and wants to do all day. And he's a rare kind of guy like that. And I just... Hearing about Brady and Belichick, their meetings every Tuesday, early on in their career, and and there's even clips of him, of Belichick and Brady talking about Ed Reed and breaking that down how good Ed Reed was. Um, I just can't really tell you enough how valuable it is for a young quarterback to meet with a defensive coach. And now, uh, week 17 of the 2003 season, the Patriots met with the Buffalo Bills once again. They played in week one, got beat 31 to nothing, and in week 17, it came full circle. The Patriots got way better as a football team. They all came together, and by the end of the year that year, instead of getting dominated by the Bills, the Patriots dominated Buffalo. You're like, oh, man. And again, it showed the growth the Patriots had made over the course of the year, and Belichick helped Brady a ton to see what the defense is doing in preparation. He talked about how there's a play where a couple of guys move before the snap, and that tells Brady exactly what look they're in. And because of that, Tom Brady threw a touchdown. And so I'm telling you guys, the the little details you can gain from as a quarterback meeting with a defensive coach is invaluable. And it's a, it's almost enough for me to say, like, if you're a quarterback out there, find time to talk to your defensive coordinator. If you have a if you have a head coach who's an offensive coach, that's fine. But go talk to your defensive coordinator just to pick his brain a little bit because there's all this little stuff you can learn from talking to a defensive coach that's on the defensive side of the ball that is just a different perspective enough that it can really, really help you. Because you want to like, defensive coordinators look at their side of the ball and go, man, I'm worried about this guy, that guy, this linebacker, that safety, that corner. And they have insight you just don't have as an offensive coach and as a person on the offensive side of the ball. So find a way to... Meet with a defensive coach if you're a young quarterback. Now, I had a weird thought, and I it's I might as well say it because that's what this show is, is me just literally saying all of my notes and getting them all out of my head. And also, I, I think if I didn't say this and then Tom Brady retired, I would regret not saying this now. I, I actually, watching this episode, started to worry that maybe Tom Brady's career might just suddenly end at the end of this year. He gave that quote about how, like young players are just harder to work with because someone's got to teach them how to be a pro and veterans aren't that way. And I I think it's possible. I'm not saying it will happen, but there's a small possibility that Tom Brady just retires out of nowhere at the end of this year. Have you watched Tampa Bay play this year? The Buccaneers keep making mistake after mistake and all these little weird mistakes and it's got to be annoying if you're tom brady correcting everybody around you it's exhausting being like dude like you're (laughs) mike evans the buccaneers receiver has got to be one of the most like ditzy receivers i've ever seen he makes all these weird little mistakes where like he doesn't look for the ball he doesn't expect screen passes to come his way like tom brady threw an interception against the giants which handed the giants basically their only touchdown of the game where Mike Evans was throwing a screen pass and didn't expect it. Ball gets tipped up, got picked off, give the Giants first and goal at the five-yard line. And I just wonder if there's any little thing, if, if any of these little things that are building in Tampa, you know, Gronk not healthy, Mike Evans making mistakes, teaching young guys how to play. Like, I, I just wonder, is that becoming exhausting to tom brady it's it's incredible the way that tom brady has sustained his career and and kept his passion for getting better and getting after it every day and i just at some point i wonder and i, I fear he might become such a master of the game of football that having to explain stuff to young guys is just it's already he already talked about how it's exhausting but it's got to be again it's got to be exhausting correcting everybody around you all the time now in the afc championship game the game to get into the super bowl at the end of the 2003 season, the Colts played the Patriots. And because the Patriots had beat the Colts earlier that year, it helped them get home field advantage in this game. So they were playing in New England in the snow against Peyton Manning and the high-powered Patriots offense. And the, you know, the Patriots won and Tom Brady had a tough game, sorry, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Had a tough game in the snow. And it's it's just a, a testament to how all the little things along the way, your, your journey to getting to a Super Bowl. A, a simple thing is beating the Colts on the road 38-34 to 34 er, earlier in the year can lead to later you having a home field advantage. And I, I don't know. It's hard to imagine the Colts at the time with their prolific offense, which they threw the ball all the time. It's hard to imagine Peyton Manning having a bad game at home, in their dome in Indy, as opposed to on the road in the snow, in New England. And the Patriots won, so the Patriots move on to the Super Bowl, and they're playing Carolina in Houston, a brand new stadium. There, the Panthers are a really physical football team. Tom Brady's getting hit a ton, and I think part of why Tom Brady has been so successful in his career As he always tells himself he's an underdog. He talks about how Peyton Manning was this prolific quarterback, had an amazing offense, and, you know, the Panthers are amazing. And Brady, you hear him talk and relive these moments. And all he does is talk about how great everybody else they played against was. And in one sense, you could say, well, you know, Tom Brady's just really humble, and Tom Brady is trying to not take a bunch of credit. I, I think that might be part of it. But I also think that this is Tom Brady's way of talking himself into being an underdog. And there's great power in feeling feeling like you're not the favorite to win a football game. Because I think Brady always felt the weight of having a small margin for error. We're like, look, I got to get every little tiny detail right or we're going to lose this game. And there's no way that wasn't a, an incredibly valuable thing and has been for Tom Brady's entire career. And... So the Patriots win the Super Bowl. Adam Vinatieri hits, hits the game-winning kick uh, after, you know, the Panthers kick the ball out of bounds with, like, a minute left, which is ridiculous on a kickoff. It feels 53 yards wide. You can't get it to land on the field, but they didn't. So the Patriots get the ball on the 40-yard line. They drive down the kick, the game-winning field goal. They win the game uh, 32-29. to And Tom Brady started, like, crying, talking about the saying, like, that was Patriots football at its best was – the way they all rallied, you got Adam and Terry kicking, and you gave a shout out to Adam and Terry, and you got Rodney Harrison, and you got we beat this really physical, really talented team with really good levels of detail and execution. And and then we get the the beautiful moment of Rodney Harrison crying, talking about his mom. And you you hear Tom Brady and, and we heard this in episode one when Bill, you know, Drew Bledsoe said it would have been really hard to be Tom Brady's backup if Tom Brady was a hole. But he wasn't, and Rodney Harrison also credits Tom Brady. He says like, you know, Tom cares about his teammates, and Brady says like, you succeed by genuinely caring about each other, caring about his, each other's families, and, and like, this is why Tom Brady's so amazing to me. I, I'm a massive introvert. Like, I, I can turn it on and become a people person, and I can be the guy at the parties talking to everyone, and shaking hands and I, don't, I just don't want to be that guy like i when i'm at a party the reality is i would rather just be the dude in the corner or actually i'd rather be the guy at home who didn't go because i don't I don't like parties i don't like people I'm, I'm very much uh an insular introvert who's happy by myself and i think actually tom brady might be more of an introvert than we realize like he likes to do his own thing and work hard and whatever but tom brady to me it's because I, based on the way Tom Brady talks, like, I, I would be shocked if he was actually a raging extrovert who loves the you know, to, to be the life of a party. But he can be, And what's amazing about Tom is how I think it is genuine, but he also does choose to invest himself in his teammates and care about them. And even in the, the greatest example of Tom Brady building relationship is Tom Brady makes it work with Antonio Brown a really talented receiver who's also a crazy man. Like, do you remember what happened when Antonio Brown went to the Raiders? (laughs) It it crashed and burned horribly. But Tom Brady in Tampa with Antonio Brown makes it work, man. He manages that relationship so well, invests in the dude, cares about the guy. I'm sure every day it's like, Antonio, how's it going? And like, says whatever is exactly right for Antonio Brown if he'll cared for. And I, it's, it's both a choice, and I think it's also, it's it's gone on for too many years for it to be fake. I think Tom Brady chooses to invest in his teammates, but he really does actually care about them. He really does care about Winovich from Michigan. He really does care about all these people that he, and that's the most incredible thing about Tom Brady. Again, it's the, his people skills. It's not necessarily... He like he's never been the guy with the strongest arm. He's got a strong arm. He, he's six four. He's not tiny. He's accurate, but it's it's not the stuff that. It's all the little things Tom Brady can control that are impressive about Tom, and it's it's not even just that he can control his decision making, his accuracy, his footwork. That's a lot of quarterbacks focus on that stuff. Brady takes it even further than any quarterback we've ever seen. In NFL history, his diet, the way he eats, the way he takes care of his body, and the way he invests in his teammates. It's just its next level of preparation, of thought. Like, I said in my first episode of this show, talking about episode one of Man in the Arena, I said, like, Tom Brady is the most prepared quarterback of all time. And people are like, what about Peyton Manning? Peyton Manning was prepared, absolutely, but Peyton Manning never stopped drinking beer. Peyton Manning never did the next level of preparation Tom Brady's done with his body. Writing a book. I, I own the TB12 diet. I've never read it. I, I thought it would be interesting to buy, and I've, I've never made any content about it. I kind of a waste of money. Um, I thought it'd be a tax write-off, then I never made a video about it. So, like, maybe I should someday. Although, I think if I did, I'd sound like a stalker more than I already do. <laughs> but Peyton Manning, I love I love the guy. Always prepared for game day. But in the offseason, I think the reality is that and, – and you see it now in the way Tom Brady's body is still to this day is healthy. Peyton Manning had a crappy throwing motion that hurt his neck. I love Peyton Manning, but he always – his throwing motion. I learned how to throw the ball like Peyton Manning, and it, it – no, it screwed me up too. Like I, I threw the ball way too over the top, and the split-check throw thing, it flicked a booger off your nose. It was cute, but it didn't work very well. And there's little tweaks that Tom Brady's made to his throwing motion, to his body, to his diet, to his teammates, everything. That the reality is Peyton Manning wasn't willing to make those kind of sacrifices to extend his career. And I just think there's so many lessons you can learn from Tom Brady about life and about everyday stuff from his mentality and how he goes about stuff. There's so many lessons to be learned from Tom Brady. And one of them is that he doesn't seem to care about credit. He doesn't seem to care about being the guy who's the center of attention. He likes to lift up the people around him. And he knows that when he praises the other people around him and makes his teammates feel good about themselves, that's actually going to help him win in the long term. Because really, all Tom Brady cares about is winning football games every Sunday. And I'm going to get political for a second. I don't, I don't mean to. I really, really, truly do not mean to. So please don't attack me. I I don't actually care about politics. I don't. I, I'm a football guy. But you got to kind of acknowledge that I think part of why Tom Brady got the COVID vaccine was simply because he knew it would help him win. He's like, I don't, I don't, I don't think Tom Brady cares one way or the other. It's like, are they going to make my life more difficult? Is it going to be easier to play in games? Like, I think Tom Brady literally looked at the NFL rules and said, well, uh, no matter what I believe, <laughs> the NFL is going to make my life a living hell if I don't get vaccinated. And it might get in the way of us winning football games. And hey, say what you want about Aaron Rodgers. He was unavailable for a game because of that. And Tom Brady played in every game this year, had no problems. And I just think that, that even that, I don't, I don't mean, I'm not trying to make a political statement at all. But I, I'm sure that the only thing Tom Brady, when he got a stupid shot, all he was thinking about was, Does this make it easier for me to win football games? And if the answer is yes, he will do it. Because that's literally all that he seems to care about. Like every little thing Tom Brady does is specifically a choice that he thinks will help him win. Praising his teammates, eating certain ice cream, avocado ice cream, not drinking, like all kinds of stuff. And I just, like like Tom Brady's a lightweight dude. You ever, remember how drunk Tom Brady got after winning the Super Bowl last year? I don't think he's got very many days. Like I think the only day Tom Brady's taken off in the last couple of years is whatever day happens right after he wins a Super Bowl. He takes that day off, and that's it. And I just I don't know, man. I I hope I didn't offend anybody. I didn't mean to. Um, I've literally avoided talking. I don't I I don't care about the vaccine. I don't care I don't care what you do. It's not about that at all. But I think you have to acknowledge that every little thing Tom Brady does is him making a calculated choice that he thinks will help him win a Super Bowl, another Super Bowl, and win more games. And whether that's praising a teammate here, taking a guy out to dinner there, making a funny Instagram story, taking a picture. Like, he doesn't care. Whatever he thinks will ultimately lead to him winning more football games, that's what Tom Brady will do. And that might even mean, hey, I got to care about these people, my teammates. And And I truly think that, I'm sure it's genuine. You can't go for 20 years doing an NFL career and not, and like, pretending to care about your teammates. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that Tom Brady doesn't care. I'm sure he does. But he chooses to care. Tom Brady chooses to invest in his teammates, and man, it takes him a long, long way. So those are my thoughts on Man in the Arena episode 2. Uh, it's Saturday morning. Look, I gave you, if you didn't want to listen to this, you didn't have to. And, and I, again, I, I talked about something there that is – I've kept my lips really tight and not talked about it at all. I think I covered it in a way that everyone can hear. And that's – my goal of this show is to never divide people. I like to bring people together. And so I, I don't care where you fall politically. I just don't care. Like, do you love football? Then welcome in because that's what I love. I love football. And I, if you love football, you're welcome here. And I, I, that's my goal here. So um, I talked about the VAC – V-A-X, probably. Whatever. I don't care. I love you guys. I appreciate you. Uh, I love Tom Brady. Uh, he's my favorite player of all time. The series is fun. And you know, we got the next episode coming up about Tom Brady's third Super Bowl. It's it's probably the second least compelling Super Bowl Tom Brady's ever won or been to. I can't wait for the 2007 season when they lose to the Giants or when they beat Russell Wilson after that goal line interception from Malcolm Butler. or And they're probably going to interview Malcolm Butler like... I want that kind of stuff to be talked about, and I know that there's really great episodes coming. I'm not that excited for this next one, and that's why part of why it took me so long to get this out. But anyway, uh, I'll see you for episode three. I love you. I appreciate you. And uh, but dum bum bam, we are done.